Good morning. Good morning. You guys sounded so good. And I want to continue in our worship now with the word. Let me pray for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So the question is, what have you promised us, God? And the answer is 10,000 things. 10,000 promises in Jesus Christ. So right now, Heavenly Father, you've promised that the Word of God is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword cutting through bone and marrow. You promise that it's profitable and um, that it makes the man and woman of God uh, complete in righteousness. And so in the guaranteed name of Jesus Christ, we claim that promise. We open this word to meet you there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it might be the most epic battle scene ever, and the best part is it's true. It was the spring of 1329, and Robert the Bruce was the Scottish nobleman who betrayed William Wallace. You guys remember that? But then he later repented, and he actually led the Scots to freedom. Okay, so get this. On Robert's deathbed, he requested that his heart be removed and given to his best friend, James Douglas. So King Robert died. They embalmed his heart. They placed it in a small container, and James Douglas literally wore the neck or, or the, the heart around his neck. Well, a year later, 1330, Douglas was in battle against the Spanish Moors, The Scots found themselves, they're surrounded. The enemy army is closing in for a final blow and one last act that completely changed the outcome of the battle. James Douglas takes off the heart of Robert the Bruce, throws it into the advancing army and shouts to his men, go fight for the heart of your king. Today is a special day because we have two churches here. You guys, we got the Brook Community Church here. Raise your hand if you're from the Brook. All right, everyone else. Hey, hey, if you're not in the Brook, go ahead and stand up. Let's give these guys a standing O. Hey, if you're preaching the gospel, you're our friends. Listen. Thanks, guys. If you're preaching the gospel, you're our friends. If you're planting a church on the gospel, you're family. So welcome home, Brooke. We love you guys. And we've also got Vertical here. And here's the thing. Both of our churches are entering a battlefield. The Brooke, you guys, you're marching into your first year. God help you. Your first year. Vertical, we're facing our second And as these churches step up to September, 
as we line up to do everything that we believe God wants us to do in these cities and for his glory, what God wants, us to, what God wants to say to us this morning is, go fight for the heart of your king. Open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14, I think it's what, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, 1 Samuel as you're turning there, let me start the state. Let me set the stage. Israel's army is hiding in caves right after getting utterly defeated in a battle with the Philistines. You see, Israel, God's people, had a king named Saul. And Saul's problem was he didn't seek the Lord when he really needed to seek the Lord. And so in chapter 13, without going into prayer, without seeking the Lord, Saul foolishly declares war against the Philistines. Now, there's two major problems with that. The first major problem is 1 Samuel 13, verse 5, says the Philistines are, quote, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. That's a problem. The second problem, you guys, is when you hear Philistines, think iron, okay? Israel's weapons were made of bronze. In fact, everyone's weapons were made of bronze, except the Philistines, those dudes had iron weapons, and bronze does not hold up against iron. And so feel this now, we're outnumbered, our weapons are bouncing off of theirs, and so we just get annihilated, and apparently the beating was so, so brutal that the Philistines took all of our weapons. Look at chapter 13, verse 22. It says this, so on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan, but Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. So all of Israel, we're down to two swords, you guys. Saul has one, his son Jonathan has one. Oh, and one more thing, King Saul just fell into a massive sin. He was supposed to wait for Samuel, the prophet of God, to make an offering to the Lord before going out in war. And in an act of stunning impatience and arrogance, Saul makes the offering himself. And so the prophet Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? Now your kingdom's going to fall from your hands. So guys, do you, do you understand now why we're hiding in caves? We just got slaughtered. We're down to two swords between us all, and our king just disobeyed Yahweh so badly that the prophet said that our kingdom is over. It's a dark day in Israel. It's a really dark day in Israel. And what's needed here is someone, anyone, to stand up and do something. What's needed on this day in Israel is someone to stand up with courage and fight for the Lord's name. And that's exactly what happens. 1 Samuel 14, beginning in verse 1. This is the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave of Migran. 
The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Itzeb, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, and Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bezez and the name of the other was Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. So what's happening here in the text is everyone's hiding in the caves. They're probably cold. They're probably hungry. They're probably weeping and grieving over the ones they just saw get slaughtered on the battlefield. And so Jonathan sees this and says, you guys, I know where some Philistines are. And so he sneaks away and he sees them at the top of this hill. Scholars guess around 50. Jonathan's at the bottom of the hill, but he can see a path between two rocky crags. It's sketchy, but there's an opportunity up. And note that mission comes when we see an opportunity for the Lord. You guys know that? We're all here because we've seen an opportunity to plant a church. Now it's sketchy, but we see a path, and Jonathan, Jonathan sees a path. It's verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. There's the mission. Right there. Jonathan looks at his attendant who carries his weapons, probably a 12 or 13-year-old kid, and says, hey man, just you and me. Let's do this ourselves. We don't need to wait for everyone else. I see a way up, you and me, let's go. Are you in? And the reason I believe the Lord led me to this text this morning is, Brooke, you guys are at the bottom of this thing. And you've seen an opportunity to do something great for the glory of God. And Pastor Seth has said, let's go. Let's plant this thing. And vertical, we're at the same place today. We're standing at the bottom of year two. And I don't know what's up there. I don't know what year two holds, but I know this. It's probably scary, and it's going to require a whole lot of faith. And so what both of our churches need this morning is this. Christ-exalting courage. Courage. This morning's passage shows us six characteristics of Christ-exalting courage. And the first one's in verse 6. Let's find it. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now notice the uncertainty in his voice. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Other translations say, perhaps the Lord will work for us. Some say, Maybe the Lord will help us. <clears throat> okay, so sidebar. If there's 50 war-hungry Philistines at the top of a hill, and you're trying to convince me to go jump those dudes with you, and we're sharing a sword, I'm going to need more than a perhaps, okay? I'm going to need more than a maybe the Lord will help us. If, if you want me to go, you need to tell me I've got a word for the Lord. He's for sure going to help us. That's not what he says. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Here comes the clarifier. See it in the text. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. 
for our churches to be truly courageous this year, we need to know this and we need to do this. Point one, stake it all on God's promise to save with or without us. Stake it all on God's promise to save with or without us. Hey, hey, the brook, look at me. They don't need you. Your city doesn't need you. Vertical, St. Paul does not need us. We're the savior of no one. We are utterly dispensable. And when you really feel that, then you can act in courage. Then you can plant a church. The reason Jonathan had the courage to go up and take on everyone himself is because he had a deep sense of the unstoppable sovereignty of God. He knew in his bones, God will save his people. And God might do that through all of Israel, but God might do that through us. So either way, they're all getting saved. Why wouldn't we just try? Why wouldn't we just lay it all on the line for the Lord? We have a guaranteed God win at the end of this thing. Let's just do it. Have you ever rewatched a scary movie a second time? Sometimes it's funny. If I've seen a movie that Alex hasn't seen and it's a scary one and she's freaking out, what am I doing? I'm as cool as a cucumber. Why? Because I know how it ends, right? I say, honey, don't worry. She gets out safe. In fact, she's going to hook up with the guy with the axe, right? They're all, they're all going to make it out alive. A scary movie ceases to be scary when you know how it ends. And Christian, we know how this thing all ends. Revelation 7 says, we see God saves from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and Jesus says in John 6 that not a single one of his people will be lost. You guys, the game is rigged. The cheat code has been entered. We cannot lose this thing. We cannot lose, and so we can go after it because nothing can stop the Lord from saving, whether by a lot of us or by one or two. One of my favorite verses that I've clung to this last year, 2 Samuel 10, 12. I think we have a slide. It says this, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what seems good to him. You guys, that's the call this morning. Be of good courage and let's be courageous for each other and let's be courageous for our cities and at the end of this thing, may the Lord do what seems good to him. We might last for three months. We might last for 300 years. But either way, God wins. Either way, we're ending in Revelation. Either way, every one of his people is getting saved. God will win. And when you realize that, you can stop taking scared little layups. And you can back up and shoot some threes. Right? You can start having some fun because we know the game is clinched. So have a blast doing this thing while resting in the unstoppable sovereignty of God and salvation. Amen? Amen. Crazy courage comes from staking it all on God's promise to save, realizing it's with us or without us. So just lay it on the line. But let's look deeper. Verse 6, come, let us cross to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, this is so beautiful, do all that's in your heart, 
Do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. Raise your hand. Is anyone in here a verbal processor? You just need to tell people? Yeah. Okay. There is grace in verbal processing. Watch this. Verse 6, Jonathan says, hey, let's do this, man. Just you and me. Verse 7, his armor bearer says, I'm with you, heart and soul. Such a beautiful sentence. And then now watch verse 8. Let's see if it had any impact. Verse 8. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men. For us to be crazy courageous this year, point two, we need to surround ourselves with faith first friends. Do you see that? Faith first friends. I'm so thankful for my wife. And um, love you, honey. I would not be a pastor if it was not for my wife. And I would, I would for sure not have planted this church. And, and in fact, I brought this. She made this for me when we were still engaged. It says, behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. And she's super embarrassed that I brought this because she doesn't think it's beautiful. I think it's so precious. It sits right by my desk where I write these sermons. But what makes Alex so, such a gift to me is that she is faith first. So when I came to her and said, hey, honey, I really think the Lord wants us to plant a church well, we were in a great church in Colorado. I had a great position. The ministry was thriving. And what she didn't do was give me 23 reasons why this is an impractical idea. You know what she did do? If the Lord is calling us to this, I'm all in. And we see that throughout all of Scripture, you guys. Abraham keeps walking because God sends Melchizedek. Moses keeps leading because God sends Aaron. Paul keeps church planting because God says, Barnabas, if you're going to do anything great for the glory of God, then you're going to need faith first friends around you. Now, of course, God wants us to be wise. He wants us to be thoughtful. He wants us to be prayerful. He wants us to be discerning. But if you think you have the gift of realism, like when your kid or your spouse or your friend comes to you and they're excited about something, you're just the self-appointed wet blanket on their faith. Can I just say in love, just knock that off. Just stop that. You're not helping anyone. If we were part of the Israel nation right outside of the promised land, what have you been like Caleb and Joshua saying, let's go. I don't care if there's giants in there, let's do this. Or would you been the Mr. Realism over here and you would have perished Guys, faith first is what our churches need. Can we just commit this year that we would be a people of knee-jerk reaction saying, let's do this, let's run, let's go after it, let's move. Yeah, well, we'll figure out the details as we go, but faith first. When the elders come to us, Vertical Church, and they say, we think, we prayed about this a really long time, we think God is leading us this way, let's say, I'm with you, heart and soul. Brooke, when Pastor Seth and the leaders come to you, would you say, I'm with you, heart and soul. What we need, what these churches need, what a characteristic of Christ-exalting courage is, is we're going to stake it all on the promise of God saving with or without us. And then we're going to surround ourselves with faith-filled friends so we can go after it together. Amen? Let's keep going. There's more here. Verse 8. Then Jonathan said this, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place. 
and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we'll go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So Jonathan is wisely wanting to know, is God actually in this? Is this just me just being courageous, or is this the Lord actually calling us into this? And so he proposes a test. He's like, hey, if the Philistines say, come up to us, God wants us to fight. But if they say, wait until we come to you, God doesn't want us to fight today. We'll go back to the caves. And I think that's the third characteristic of Christ's exalting courage. Point three, seek confirmation from the Lord. Seek confirmation from the Lord. When I read this, I thought of um, Gideon's fleece test. Do you guys remember that? The fleece test in Judges 6. Gideon sets out a piece of fleece and he's like, hey, if there's dew on it in the morning but the grass is dry, I'll know God will save us. Now, if you remember, God actually gets really angry at him for that. So what's the difference between Gideon proposing a test and Jonathan proposing a test? Well, the difference is Gideon had already a confirmed word from God by an angel. Jonathan here doesn't have a promise. Jonathan has a hunch. So he seeks affirmation from the Lord. So guys, which one are we? Are we Gideon or are we Jonathan? Are we running on a hunch? No, no, we're Gideon. We're not planting, we better not be planting these churches on a hunch. You guys, we've got holy promises. For us to seek confirmation from the Lord, we just need to soak in the promises that God has already made to us. Okay, we're just saying that, right? So what promises do we got? Well, how about this one, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Take that to the bank. Psalm 67, 7, God shall bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear his name. Acts 18, 9, I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to harm you for I have many people in this city who are mine. Acts 13, 41, I am doing a work in your day, a work you would not believe even if someone sat you down and explained it to you. Psalm 37, 5, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Matthew 28, 19, you got to know this one. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded, and lo and behold, the Brook Community Church and Vertical Church, St. Paul, I will be with you always till the end of the age. You guys, we've got 10,000 promises to do this thing. We've got 10,000 promises to take to the bank and stand on them and don't move off them. Here at Vertical, we've decided if there's not a verse, we're just not about it, right? Like if the Bible's not about it, this church isn't gonna be about it. Let's do only what God has promised to bless and nothing else. Because I don't want to step into anything if I don't know that we got a for sure blessing in this. You know, so many churches, they, they're just trying to do things that God's never promised to bless. God never promised to bless to make you a mega church. God never promised to bless to give us fame and recognition and success in the city. He promised to plant this church. But we don't know how. And if you go about the fame and the recognition or all the other things that churches can get about, you will get slaughtered. 
We will get slaughtered. But if we want to just glorify God and make disciples of Jesus Christ, then buckle your chin strap and charge the hill. The infinite power of Jesus Christ is behind you. You are unstoppable. Seek confirmation from the Lord in his word and God will give us unshakable, unstoppable courage. Back to Jonathan. He's still looking for a sign. See this in verse 11. So both of them, underline this, showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. Here's the question I was thinking about this week. Why step out? Why show yourself to the garrison of these? Un- I mean, I'm not a military man, um, but isn't this maybe just possibly like the worst battle strategy ever? You know, if there's 50 Philistines at the top of the hill, and again, you and I are going to fight them, we got one sword between us both, wouldn't it be a little smarter to, I don't know, sneak attack? Like a ninja ambush? Why, why just go out in the middle of it and show themselves to the Philistines, I think there's actually a subtle characteristic of courage here. Verse four, or point four, step out so everyone can see God move. That's what you guys need to do, Brooke. Vertical, that's what we need to do. Step out so everyone can see God move. Starting a church is scary. And I've lost a lot of sleep over this church, especially in core team phase. And as I rolled in bed every night and reflected, why am I so scared? Why why am I so anxious when I funneled it down to what the root is? Really, it's just, I don't want to be embarrassed. Like, my family knows I'm doing this. All of our friends know we're doing this. And if this thing falls apart, if this thing fails, it's just going to be so public. And God says, that's the point. Oh, that's the point, you guys. God doesn't do sneak attacks, okay? God doesn't do sneak attacks. God calls people to step out, to step into the vulnerable place, the desperate place, the public place, so that when he shows up and moves, everyone will see his glory. So, the brook, I would love if you guys would plant the kind of church that will totally flop without Jesus Christ. Plant that kind of church. Plant a church where you'll you'll never be able to write a book about how you did it. Or if you did write a book, it would be one chapter, three words, God did it. The end. Right? Down with faithless, formulaic church planning, up with desperate, dependent, God, if you don't show up, we're toast type church planting. Guys, that's what God wants for us in year two at this church. Step out to the vulnerable place. Step out to the scary place because Yahweh is most passionate about his glory. So he's not gonna do this thing in secret where no one can seize it. He wants us to step out so when he moves, everyone will see his glory. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that when they see your good works, they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This year, step out so everyone can see God move. Don't only do it in this church, do it in your family.
take that scary public step of faith and show off the glory of God. Verse 11, it gets better. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. Note, that's where Bible translators didn't catch the trash talk. Come up to us, we will show you a thing. They're just so serious, okay? This is trash talk. They're saying, hey, come up to us, guys. We'll, sh we'll show you what's up. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And here's the next thing. Jonathan, circle this, climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. I just love this picture. Jonathan didn't just give a speech. He didn't just step out. Now he's down on his hands and feet doing the hard work of actually doing it. So that'd be point five for our churches this morning. Stay the course. Do the work. Get down on your hands and knees and stay the course. How easy it would have been for Jonathan to step out and after a couple rocks come down at his head or a few arrows fly for them to retreat and regroup, right? Okay, that was good. Let's head for the summit tomorrow, right? That's what I would have done. That's not what he does. And Brooke, how easy it will be for you after a couple church conflicts and a myriad of unmet expectations and not growing as fast as you are praying and realizing that Pastor Seth is a sinner just like you, how easy it will be, be for you to want to retreat and regroup. And vertical, how easy it will be for us do you know this? The Bible doesn't say much about big starts at all. The Bible says actually very little about starting well, but it says a ton about finishing well. And this last year, 3,000 churches were planted, praise God. It's 6,000 closed, right? People know how to start churches, but keeping, staying the course, working, it's hard. It's really hard. It's so hard, in fact, that on the day that we launched this church, Pastor Steve Dietrich down from Harvest Rochester drove here all the way here to say one thing to me. He pulled me aside and said, Chris, one thing I have to tell you. Never quit. Never quit. Keep your hand to the plow. Stay the course. This year, I guarantee you, at some point, you will want to quit. You will want to stop serving. You will want to start sleeping in. You will want to go to the church across town that doesn't ask anything out of you. You will want to do that. And I'm pleading with you, stay the course. A phrase we say a lot around here is, God calls the few to do the much so that the many will be blessed. Let me say it again. God calls the few, that's you, to do the much so that the many will be blessed. That's what we see in this text. You guys, all Israel is going to get saved, but only Jonathan and his armor bearer are on their hands and knees. This has always been the way God is pleased to work. So loved ones, don't give up. Don't flake out. Don't bail. Planting a church 
takes, it doesn't take six months. It takes 60 years of just showing up consistently week after week, week after week, week after week. And the call of Christ's exalting courage this morning is get on your hands and feet and climb. Roll up your sleeves and do the dirty work that no one else will do. Why? Because God calls the few to do the much so that the many will be blessed. And you guys, if we stay the course and actually do what God's placed on our hearts to do, just watch what God can do. Verse 14. At that first strike, here's the action. When Jonathan and his armor bearer made, they killed about 20 men. Within it, as were a half pharaoh's length in the acre of land. Verse 15, and there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. Now watch this, this is a miracle. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Verse 16, and the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who's gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ajah, bring the ark of God here, for the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priests, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone out with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all of the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in battle. Verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed beyond Beth Haven. Point six, see the miracle. See the miracle. Listen, guys, if we're willing to work hard, if we're willing to get on our hands and feet and serve, if we're willing to put forth the effort God will bring about the earthquake. This year, we're going to be serving so hard. We're going to be minding our own business and preaching the gospel. We're going to be heralding the scriptures every single Sunday. We're going to be exalting the risen Christ in worship week after week. And then I believe we're just going to turn around one day, both of our churches, and someone's going to get saved. Someone's going to go from death to life. Someone's going to get baptized. Someone's going to get set free from a lifelong addiction. Someone who has already filed for divorce is going to stay in the marriage and renew their vows. Someone's going to choose not to abort the baby. Someone's going to forgive their abuser. An immigrant family that's been living generationally in pagan worship is going to follow Jesus. Neighborhoods are going to be penetrated by families carrying good news. Workplaces are going to begin getting repurposed from making money to making much of Christ. If we're willing to put forth the effort, take it to the bank, God will bring about the earthquake. So this morning and this year, let's stake it all 
on God's promise to save with or without us. Let's surround ourselves with faith first, friends. Let's seek confirmation from the Lord by soaking in his word every day. Let's step out so everybody can see God move. Let's stay the course. And if we do that, you and I will see the miracle. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, let me invite the Brook Community Church up on the stage and the elders of Vertical Church. Coming up, guys, we want to pray over you this morning before we send you guys out. And we've said since day one that we're not about assembly. We're not about um, gathering an audience. We're about mobilizing an army, right? That's what we're doing here this morning. In fact, I remember it was the week after launch Sunday. Yeah, come on up, guys. We got that side coming right out front. It was week two, and I said, okay, guys, I know we planted the church last week, but we're sending out Seth and Hannah Martin. Does anyone want to join them? And then, by God's grace, people have been joining them. I think their core team is uh, 41 people. Praise God. So come on over. Why don't you grab a mic? Love you, brother. And um, we get the privilege to let you guys know and to present to you on behalf of the North American Mission Board uh, a $10,000 check to be used for your church. So praise God for that. Do you want to say anything before we pray over you? Yeah. Yeah. Here's a mic. Vertical, uh, let me express uh, just how much we love you guys. Thank you all so much. All the, this ain't our whole 41, obviously. Uh, uh, but these are some of our, our, our leaders, honestly, some of the people that God has raised up. And, y'all, we can't tell y'all how much we love and appreciate you guys. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I won't cry either when I say it. Uh, when I came here, Vertical for me was not just a place where God was able to start speaking and uh, where Chris was able to start leading me as a, as a friend and a brother. But it was a place of healing in a lot of ways for me, too. Mm. Um, it was a place where I saw um, what, I, what I really believe was a healthy uh, church plant start. Mm. And uh, so much of what God has started to do through us has been because of what I got to see in all of these men here and all of you all and uh, what God is doing. So vertical, you guys will never know the length and the depth of, uh, of how much you have blessed me and how much I believe God is going to bless um, us and our church because of you also. Thank come you, on, man. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, come on down to the front here, guys. Come on over. Come on over. You guys, this is a sacred privilege that the church has been doing for 2,000 years. And so if you would, just in faith, lay your hand out toward these guys. And um, we want to just pray over you guys and send you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Chiaco. Father God, we, we lift up the Brook Church Father, that your spirit be with them, Lord, that you be with them in battle. Lord, they are moving forward in faith. Lord, and we just praise you for them, for all the families, God. I just pray a blessing over them, that they be filled with your spirit and guided by your spirit, not seeking their own human wisdom or human strength, Lord, but the strength of the Lord, the strength that will plant this church and save people, Lord. Help them be about what you are about, Father. 
And you promise us through Jesus Christ that you will plant this church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm -hmm. So help them remember this always, Father. And as they go, as they make disciples, baptizing them, remembering that you are with them, Lord. You will never leave them or forsake them. So let them not seek anything outside of you, Father. And I pray for, for Seth, for Hannah, and I pray for them to uh, seek your power for, for leadership, Lord, not their own. Uh, and God, we love them. We are their family. We are their brothers and sisters. So Lord, we, we rejoice today and, and honor you for this multiplication that you are doing. We pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 So you guys stay here. And uh, would you guys stand up? We just want to say a prayer together, really sing a song. And we're going to place our trust in Jesus Christ, the builder of his church, together here. Let's just enjoy this moment, you guys. Let's trust in Christ together this morning, church. Just to 